On this episode of Resi Week, I am joined by Alex Capisolatro from Josh AI and Jeremy Glowacki, the executive editor of Residential Tech Today, where we talk about the Crestron Town Hall, uh, the Cedia Advocacy Group and the town hall that they'll be having at Cedia Expo, and also about 22,000 people who lost control of their thermostats in Denver. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 344 Town Halls. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. This is Resi Week, and as you can tell, I am not Matt Scott. This is Rich Fragosa, Uncle Richie, filling in for Matt, who is in undisclosed locations this week, but uh, Uncle Richie always happy to pitch in, and even better, um, I get the luxury of having two super cool guests who uh, not only do I respect and admire, but are just really cool guys, and I think there's going to be a lot of information that they're going to be able to hand down, Uh, so... I might as well just start right in. Uh, our first guest, um, absolutely a friend of the show. Uh, you know, I haven't had a chance to see him in person in a little while, but our first guest is Jeremy Glowacki. Jeremy, good to see you. Good to see you too, Rich. It's been a while, and uh, I am not in an undisclosed location. I'm actually in Miami Beach, uh, judging, of all things, the Lutron Excellence Awards with some of my fellow members of the media. So getting a little uh, R&R by the beach, but also working. It's a working vacation sort of thing. So it's a, it's a little break here to do the podcast with you. I'm happy to join you. Well, we were talking earlier about we were stalking each other on Facebook is how we tend to keep up. And so I did see the photos of the, uh, the accoutrement that you've got there. But I do want to say, though, uh, I do want to give your title. You are the executive editor of Residential Tech today so we've got a another media presence here which is always good to have that voice and uh you know longtime industry veteran not necessarily a longtime industry veteran but a friend of the show and definitely making lots of waves in the market um same thing i've been seeing all of his wonderful information on facebook and having a great time coming from the east coast this time is alex capisolatro who is the ceo of josh ai alex good to see you good to see you too always happy to be here well, tell you what, we're just going to go ahead and jump right in, and uh, there's a couple of stories that did pop up. So first off the bat, there was uh, some news that occurred. Uh, there's been a heat wave going across several parts of the country, and uh, on August 31st, there were customers in Denver, Colorado, who were surprised to wake up and find out that 22,000 of them had been locked out of their thermostats. Um, There's an article from uh, the Denver Channel, uh, but it made national news. Uh, But basically, 22,000 people lost control of the temperatures in their homes from Excel, who is the uh, utility provider for that area. Uh, Obviously, there's some reasons why it happened, but let's let's kick this off. Jeremy, um, again, you're, you're constantly monitoring the news. How big of a deal was this? Well, I, I don't know how big of a deal it was nationwide, but obviously locally it sure was. And uh, I think it's it goes to show, um, you know, that 
we're dealing with some extreme climate situations here across the world. And uh, here's a situation where um, end user clients, homeowners signed up for a utility cost savings benefit and probably didn't really pay much attention to what that ramification would be in the end if it happened. And it gets really hot out and in Denver, um, you know, the, mod- the climate's pretty moderate there in the summer, and I don't think people are used to that hot weather. And you want to turn your AC to a little cooler temperature. It doesn't uh, happen, and you probably, at least a handful of people, re- overreact to a situation where they just don't have control. And uh, it, it's it's just, uh, I believe, one of those things that uh, – you better like look at the paperwork of what you're signed up for and what you're saving money on. Uh, I believe it's a good program. Uh, I've been doing something like that. It, not necessarily where it locks a thermostat, but it's a, a situation where um, you know you're on a fixed billing kind of situation. And I think um, this is a more drastic version of that. I don't think anybody really likes to lose control of their house, and I think that kind of goes back to our industry and how much our um, the, the systems that are installed. Um, you want them to work. You want them to be flexible according to your plan, not to lose um, the ability to make adjustments. And here's a big, bad utility company coming in and taking control, even though you opted in. And people quickly show that they don't like losing control. So I think it's a good message for our industry to be aware of. You know, don't, you, you know, don't be surprised if this happens to you and also be aware that you may get blamed for something that's not your fault. This this is not something you installed, even though you did all the other tech in the home. Well, and that's an interesting point. I'm actually going to jump in with Alex in a moment, but just kind of the details, because everybody's wondering, like, you know, why did they sign up? Well, you know, Excel basically said that they would offer a hundred dollar sign up bonus for the program, and then they would get $25 annually. Uh, And uh, the, Representative even went so far as to say, well, gee, this was the first time in six years that this has ever happened. So it's really much ado about nothing, but it did happen. And, uh, you know, we were talking right before we started recording and, and you just mentioned Jeremy, which was that, you know, they may have some integrated systems in these homes, you know, who, who, whichever it might be. And all of a sudden phones might start ringing. So Alex dovetailing right into automation, you know, as a manufacturer of control systems, what does this pose um, in terms of when, you know, say, you know, I don't think you're necessarily integrating with these Excel thermostats, but the future of dealing with partnering with, you know, let's let's just say that, you know, we we do start believing the, the climate change changes that we're going to start seeing and that the utilities have to start um, taking a little bit more control of the grid. I know in California, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area, we have some significant grid issues that we're seeing. And then we're hitting right into the big part of, uh, you know, where we're going to start seeing hiccups. But as a manufacturer and in terms of your dealers, uh, you know, what kind of challenge does this present? You know, there, there's a lot to unwrap here. And I, I think my first feeling when I read this article was it's not entirely about losing control because someone's choosing to, to relinquish it. It's about the fact that any cloud-connected device can be yanked at you know any time, on purpose or not on purpose. I think about the AWS outages where we've seen Control Four and other systems lose you know network access for a period of time, or I've seen cases where clients have had their Spotify connections break off of Sonos because of some Spotify cloud issue that's going on. I think more and more this is happening, especially in the DIY space, 
And it's one reason to really double down on the professionally installed just network of devices. You know, I'm not super familiar with these, this, this line of product, but I know that every company that we work with at Josh AI, we communicate about what's going on with our servers, with updates, with releases, because we don't want to have any downtime. And I think the more that people are trying to do it themselves, cobble things together, put in products that don't communicate to one another on purpose, you run the risk of something breaking or something falling off. And so I am a big advocate for professionally installed systems, systems that are certified both ways where the companies work well together. It doesn't mean that things can't break from time to time, but you're certainly going to have them happen less and less frequently. I do also think there's a lot to be said for the fact that 10, 15 years ago, nobody would have noticed if their cloud-connected thermostat was not remotely accessible. You only controlled your thermostat from home. You know, if you weren't there, you called the neighbor and said, hey, can you go and turn my thermostat on? The fact that 22,000 people, and this is, you know, just one sub, you know, small subset in Colorado, but that, you know, over 20,000 people were impacted and noticing this goes to show we have shifted to a society where we expect to be able to access our homes remotely. We expect to be able to control them when we want, from where we want. And I think that's a good thing. It means consumers are very adapt to this. They're, they're very used to it. And we need to do a good job at making sure that it's always reliable and always up. No, that's absolutely a good point in that, uh, you know, again, this is uh, Resi Week. So we're going to be dealing with the residential side of, of our verticals. Um, and kind of tying right into the next part, which is uh, Resi, uh, is Cedia. Cedia will be coming up at the end of this month. Uh, Alex, obviously on the board of directors, will talk to that. But this was a, a really interesting article. This was written by Darren Riemann, who is the director of government affairs for Cedia. And the article talks about Cedia's advocacy program. Uh, as a longtime member of Cedia, I was actually at Cedia 2. I missed one, but I made Cedia 2 in 1989. Um, one of the... I guess one of the one of the lost parts of Cedia itself is that you know we always think of Expo as Cedia. That's you know kind of the culmination of the experience um, and and Cedia as a trade organization. But there's a lot more that Cedia is providing, and one of the items that kind of the unsung hero is the advocacy program. And uh, you know although this was written by somebody from Cedia, this really does explain. Uh, you know, hopefully what the CDM uh, membership is is going to be benefiting from it. And they, they talk about, um, you know, the lobbying and the advocacy and keeping an eye on licensing requirements. I mean, there's been lots of changes over the past few years in terms of low voltage and high voltage contracting and the requirements and the fact that they are still on a state by state level. So, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of different battles that are occurring, uh, not only nationally, but then you're dealing with regionally, and then you're going into one of 50 states uh, to go even further. So, uh, you know, Alex, I'm, I'm gonna assume that you've spent a little bit of time talking about this. Um, tell us a little bit about the advocacy program and, and you know, again, what's, what CDA is focusing on as well as CDA Expo, but but really what they're doing for the membership and why this matters. Sure. Again, there's a lot to unpack, and I think you hit some really great points there. I want to make it just clear to everyone sort of who CDA is and, and what CDA is focused on. Uh, for those who don't know, as you mentioned, I'm on, I'm on the board of directors, but I'm also on the executive committee, the governance committee, and the finance committee, and so very involved. 
the first thing that I think is really important to double down on is Cedia is not Expo. Cedia actually sold off Expo to Emerald, and so we support the show, we do education at the show, but the show is actually a separate-run organization at this point, um, and that doesn't mean anything against the show. We love it, we support it, but Cedia is really focused on trying to provide member value and trying to help move the industry forward. One of the ways that's really important there, which you addressed, is advocacy. At the end of the day, our integrators run the risk of not being able to operate in certain cities and certain jurisdictions if regulation changes. And there are people who are, you know, fighting, lobbying in all sorts of different ways to try to require an, electric, an electrical license if you're doing low voltage, stuff like that, which CD is really on top of and really trying to help make sure we can keep that access going. It's also worth noting, Cedia is a global organization and regulation is different all over the US, it's different in Canada, but it's also different in the UK, throughout Europe, in Asia, Australia, and that's a lot that, that Cedia is doing that I don't think people are always aware of. I do wanna just briefly mention though, when, when we're talking about Cedia, there are a few other things that I think are really good to think about, um, or not even think about, but just to know about in terms of new and newsworthy. The first one is CD has had some different leadership changes over the last couple of years. This year, we hired a new CEO, Daryl Friedman, who's doing an amazing job. Daryl is gonna be at Expo, and if you have a chance, I highly recommend come there, meet Daryl. There's a CD Awards that are taking place during Expo Week. Just a really great time to get to know leadership. Daryl's on a mission to figure out how do we provide the right value for as many members as we can. And so if you're someone thinking, you know, I'm not a CDA member because I don't get any value or, or any, you know, benefit from being a CDA member. Well, let us know. Let Daryl know because there's really a focus on trying to improve it. The other thing just worth mentioning is it's interesting that Matt's out today. This week is actually, I believe, the first week that CDA has a tech summit in Canada. And so if you're not aware, the tech summits are a great way to bring manufacturers to local areas all throughout typically the U.S. and the U.K., and now in Canada as well. So tech summits have been just really growing. There's a lot of great stuff happening. And the last thing I just want to mention about Cedia, because it just the news just broke a couple hours ago, is part of the Cedia Awards. Um, we like to honor a, a Lifetime Achievement Award and a fellow, basically people who have done a lot for the industry, who continue to give back. And the two people who are being awarded this year, who I think are both tremendous people, we have Carol Campbell with the Lifetime Achievement Award and Peter Aylett, who's named the fellow. And these two have been around for over 20 years, I think over 25 in Carol's case. And it's just amazing the education they do, the resources. Carol started a nonprofit. There, there's so much really great stuff they're doing. So if you're not involved in CEDIA, definitely encourage you to get more involved. And if you're thinking, you know, a couple years ago I tried and CEDIA didn't really seem to do much for me. There's a new CEDIA. There's a lot of new stuff happening. That's great. Well, congratulations actually to Peter. He's a fantastic guy as a 2022 fellow. However, I do have to mention, there is a 2012 CEDIA fellow in our presence. Uh, who has had now 10 years of being a CEDIA fellow, Jeremy. Uh, you know, also got to be able to bring that up as well. Um, which leads to the fact that, you know, you've been around CEDIA, you know, as long as I have. And we've seen changes, uh, you know, the leadership, the show. Uh, you know, we always used to laugh that some of the original CDA mm -hmm. shows was we all got together because none of our bands were making money and we all needed day jobs. And so, uh, right. 
you know, as as you know, you've always come in from the media side of things. Um, talk and and you're obviously you know monitoring what's going on in with the state of the CI industry, and there's some big changes coming up to the NEC codes, and I mean stuff that obviously you know we, we've seen stories from from your publication come through, coming from your direction and and having to be uh, you know kind of a spotlight to bring information to dealers who they don't don't necessarily have, right? The too long didn't read uh, version of running a, a custom installation business. Why is this important? Yeah, I <clears throat> am fortunate to have always known Darren Riemann at Cedia and really respect the work that he does in his advocacy work for the association and understand that he is just um, a passionate savant for government affairs like he just knows the ins and outs of how to monitor and track and lobby for proper uh, licensing um, requirements or not or lack thereof if in the case of some states um, I witnessed it firsthand I was living in New York at the time and he reached out to a group of New York dealers and myself as a member of the media, and I pretty much attended to, uh, to to watch what goes on because I felt like a little awkward as a member of the media uh, advocate, advocating for the association in this case. But in that case, it's similar to what's happening in some of these uh, so, uh, state situations that are referenced in the article where there is a committee vote or lack thereof, like something has been referred to a committee. And a lot of times that's because Cedia comes in there and says, here are the problems with this bill. It, it's, it's, it's an unfair trade practice. It's, it's um, um, going against the low voltage trade, whereas it's the electricians that are pushing this. And the bill will go to a committee, and sometimes the committee won't even have a hearing for it, and it's basically rejected because Cedia got involved and is protecting its members and it and it's it's all in a good good way uh, they're, they're they're doing very good work there's um there's just sometimes folks who are in the electrical trade protecting what they do they want to keep the competition away um and frankly it's it's not um correct legislation that that they're pushing that they're lobbying for so thank thanks to to Darren and that group, they're really out there doing this hard work and keeping everyone aware. And I think this uh, advocacy town hall that's going to take place on uh, Thursday morning at Cedia Expo is going to be very good for everyone to get a better handle on what all is out there and where the value is with Cedia as an association. Things that people just don't really aware, they're not aware of, but are very much affecting their business state by state. So. Uh, this is just one of those areas that I think it's it, the it's the unsung part of being a CDM member, and people that aren't even CDM members are getting benefits they don't even realize because of this work. So, um, very much happy to support them. Well, that's a good point. And yes, so if you are planning on attending Expo, uh, they are going to have the CDA Advocacy Town Hall Breakfast on Thursday the 29th. And so uh, if advocacy and if, uh, you know, if you are in one of those states where the upcoming changes to the NEC code is potentially going to affect you, it's definitely worth uh, knowing not only what you do, but knowing how your local laws are going to affect you. So absolutely. Uh, 
you know, an, an important but unsung part of uh, what we need to do, uh, especially running businesses in uh, various parts of the country. So uh, we've talked about lots of exciting things coming up, um, but we do have to talk about some things that have been a bit of a thorn in the side for dealers for the past year or so. And the dreaded phrase of supply chain issues. Uh, last week, a very large manufacturer uh, had a town hall that, uh, for lack of a better word, they decided that they were going to take it on the chin and talk very transparently with their dealers about the supply chain disruptions that are going on. Uh, on August 29th, uh, there was a panel discussion with Crestron's uh, EVP of Marketing, Brett Hintz, the EVP of Residential, John Clancy, CEO Dan Feldstein, and COO Dan Brady, where uh, the article, and you can actually find this in uh, ResiTech today, they uh, have an interview with them and they talk about uh, the town hall meeting that they had with their dealers and the explanations, really a soup to nuts, how the sausage was made. And when uh, dealers hear this dreaded phrase, uh, they broke down how it occurred, um, the challenges that they faced. Um, you know, when, you, you know, we deal in tech and they're talking about foundries, <laughs> you know, basically giant melting pots of putting this stuff together. Um it was, uh, I, I got to say personally, it was a bit of an education on the process because, you you know, you're used to seeing a circuit board. You're used to seeing the finished product, but you don't necessarily consider the thousands of pieces that go together. Um, I'm going to start actually first uh, with you, Alex, on this one because this is something that you know very well, which is uh, manufacturing products and uh, chip-based products on top of it. Um for a manufacturer to speak with their dealers, so bluntly, why would a manufacturer feel the need to do that in the first place? And then the second part, as a manufacturer, um, are the challenges that they're facing? I mean, I, do, you, do you have a sympathetic ear? Can, can you definitely feel their pain on that one? You know, this one's really tough. I'll be honest. Um, you know, part of my feeling is everyone's trying really hard and everyone's doing their best. And therefore, I have a lot of empathy as a manufacturer, seeing friends who are trying to build a chip product and, and what they're going through. But at the same time, as a manufacturer who has not been out of product at all during all of COVID, yet we've seen the need and the demand for a product 10x in the last 12 months, there's a way around a lot of this. Now, we have far fewer SKUs than they do, but we're constantly seeing that there are creative solutions to get around this. And I think, I think different companies have been fast or slow to make the, the changes that are needed. And it's really trickled down to hurt dealers and hurt the customer in many ways. Now I will say this impacts everyone from automotive to interior designers with furniture to kitchen appliances. It's not just our industry, but what's so interesting is we go back two years ago and my company had a couple decisions to make where we could have slow boat shipped from Asia to get a whole bunch of product. And we thought we're already running a little behind. We're already seeing that the timing it takes to manufacture is longer. So instead we, we ate the cost and we air freighted everything out and we had product in a couple weeks. Partners that we we're working with chose not to do that. They put their product on a boat. The boat took longer. 
we have the issues of the Suez Canal, you know, stoppage. We have the port delays. And the net result is I know product that's been sitting in the LA, um, you know, port for weeks that customers and dealers are waiting for that they just can't get released. And so I, I bring this up because I do think I'm sympathetic and I have a lot of empathy, but I'm also realistic. We as business owners and business leaders need to get creative and we need to try new things. Now, when it came to the Crestron webinar they did, I'm glad they did it. I think it's super important to be transparent. I think it's super important to address this head on. That being said, I only caught the last maybe 10 or 15 minutes of it, so I couldn't really see the entire thing. What I was able to see though were some interesting dodges, if you will. And again, I, I don't want to dismiss what they're trying to do, but some dealers said, we get it, hardware delays, blah, blah, blah. What about software? We want to see the software updates we've been waiting on for years to finally get updated. And there weren't really great responses to that from what I heard. And look, I know that I'm dealing with at any given time hundreds, if not thousands of requests, new features, new integrations, new bugs, different things people want to have. We have to prioritize. And I try to make it clear to the dealer community, we prioritize what the most number of dealers feel is most important for us to work on. When there's something that only one out of a thousand dealers is asking for, it's hard to make that the number one priority. Now, I didn't feel like that was the way that, that Crestron happened to address their way of, of, you know, sort of prioritizing software development. So I'm glad they did this. I think more manufacturers should take their lead and do this as well. I do think you should have open comments and not, you know, shut down comments during this, which, you know, suppresses a lot of the real discussion. But I also think at the end of the day, there are now creative ways to get the parts that you need, to get the materials that you need, to you know, bulk up on the, the inventory that you need. There's really not much of an excuse two plus years after this started to be this far down in terms of stock inventory. So you know, my advice for manufacturers is be transparent, communicate, but also Increase your costs if you have to increase your costs, but figure out how to put product in your dealer's hands. I'm being told by dealers they're okay if they have to spend a little bit more, more money to get product as opposed to not getting product because we didn't want to air freight it or because we didn't want to spend the 10 or 15% more to get the chips that we need. And then my advice for dealers is, and we're seeing this left and right, be vigilant about what you need, but if you can't get what you need, have a plan B, have a plan C. And that's what I think a lot of the, the really successful dealers have been doing. You know, they're saying, look, we want this particular remote or this particular keypad or this particular device, but we know that if that product's not available in the timeline that my client needs, we can go to plan B or go to plan C. And I think that's the way it's going to have to be for the next possibly couple of years. Well, Jeremy, obviously you had a ringside seat to this story, considering that you wrote it. <laughs> um, you know, this was in Residential Tech Today. Uh, you know, again, you, you had the opportunity to, uh, you know, be a, be, be a part of this in terms of, you know, obviously following the story. Um, what was your take on, on how not only the manufacturer perspective and, you know, what, what Alex was talking about, but the dealer, I, you know, and the dealer response, because I've got to assume that you had a, the opportunity post-webinar uh, to, to get a temperature check from people who had attended. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot there to, to kind of contend with. I, first of all, off want to say that 
I was very impressed with Crestron's transparency in this. I didn't read defensiveness from them. Um, it's a company um, leadership that's different than even recent years. And I just felt like the way that they handled this was very, uh, very clear, very educational. I learned a lot. I felt like, you know, as a media person, I'm always looking for the spin. And I didn't feel like I was being spun. I did feel like perhaps, like Alex said, that they didn't do everything that they needed to do early on. Um, they made a, a strong case in maybe parts that Alex didn't hear for the efforts that they had made. But they also said that going to sort of the open market for certain missing components, you have to be careful about quality control. So there's a lot of time involved in that. And um, they, they also mentioned something that just, you don't really think about some of these circuit boards and that there are pieces that in early times, pre-COVID times, seem fairly um, commodity-like, little power supplies and things that are just pennies um, that are just not available because of that foundry issue. Um, thousands of pieces that go onto a circuit board from 200-some manufacturers, they said. So just a crazy number of, of pieces that go together to, to make the operations behind the scenes on these products. So um, I felt like um, obviously the dealer's response, no one's going to be pleased with this. It's not like giving us the full transparent answer really solves the problem, which is that they've got clients that are expecting systems to be completed and they keep getting pushed around on t deadlines and time you know, frames. And the dealers have to pass along bad information repeatedly to these clients who are probably very demanding people just in the way that they are high net worth individuals who are trying to complete their homes and anyone i don't care who you are you're doing a home project you want it to get done in a timely fashion and these folks are dealing with 18 to 24 months of just delays and um you know excuses and the dealers are stuck in between. They they can't do anything about it. Manufacturers tell them one thing, and then they change it because the supplier to the manufacturer changes their their uh, story. So it, it's a lot of frustration. There's not a lot of easy answers. The only sort of light at the end of the tunnel I sort of got at the toward the end of it was that they're starting to see some of the ports clearing up. The shipping container pro, pro, um, prices are starting to go down, which is a good sign. Um, and the predictability is starting to prove in the last six weeks. So it seems like that they're getting closer to clearing some of these delays. It's going to still be into next year, uh, perhaps into second quarter of next year. But uh, I was just looking for some just tiny bit of optimism, and that's as close as I got to anything at the end, unfortunately. Um, but again, it, I think it's... Alex makes a great point, and I have to take his word for it as a manufacturer. Maybe there were things that could have been done, but it's also a big, um, pretty big manufacturer with a lot of moving parts. So um, I also kind of see their side of it too, and it's a it's a challenging time for everybody. Well, not necessarily to end it on a downer, because really we aren't. I mean, we know that these are items that are going to improve. Uh, we just know that they're not necessarily going to improve at the speed that we've been used to in the industry. Uh, but there, there's a lot there. I know that the reports, um, I've 
had a long-standing relationship with with Crestron for going on 30 years. Uh, and we have seen many of the challenges that we're talking about. But uh, absolutely, Alex does make a good point, which is, you know, taking plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. This is uh, the nature of the industry. It's obviously Crestron's not the only company that's been affected by it. Some have been able to navigate it better uh, than others, but it is still a uh, process that dealers need to look into. And, and actually, I was going to ask a second because we're going to wrap up um, in a moment. But what should dealers be looking to do as we're going to be navigating roughly, you know, Jeremy, I think you're, you're saying probably three more quarters, possibly four more quarters um, before we start seeing things starting to normalize. What's the advice that you've been able to give dealers? Oh, me personally? Well, both of you. I just, I, I just, yeah, I just want to see that. I mean, if you had a dealer I, in front of you that said, hey, you know, how am I going to navigate these next nine months, you know, 12 months, which is, you know, again, you're, you obviously, you, you have a, a huge uh, outreach to the dealers. And, you know, again, it's the, uh, you know, we'd love to be able to soothe all of their concerns, but you have had the ability to see uh, a lot of what's out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say from from my perspective that uh, so many of the dealers that I talk to, frankly, are they're, they're survivors out there. You know, they're entrepreneurs who have gone through the school of hard knocks throughout their career. Um, they they know how to get through this better than I can tell them how to get through it. They've they've lived it and they're going to find um, alternative sources for product and try new things. Unfortunately, um, there are certain things that they just aren't going to be able to get. And maybe that affects this type of project that they're trying to complete. So there may not be a good replacement piece there. Um, there's not, not everything has a, has a solution right now, unfortunately. So you just kind of have to get in line and, and hope that your clients don't just give up on everything that you're trying to work with them on. But, uh, you know, there, there were problems early on with receivers. There were problems with TVs, things get caught up and then, other things are still a problem with control pieces. So it's, I guess, just adjusting the type of project that they're bit, that they're uh, designing for for the time being, and looking the short term versus the long term. So it's, <laughs> I I gotta say, there's not an easy answer for that one. It's just that I think these guys have been doing this for so long. They will find their channels, and the the buying groups have been really great for them too. To be honest, I've talk to some folks here in buying groups, they've been able to really help. And as much as they don't want to be called buying groups anymore, I think that part of their their kind of name actually comes to bear right now. You know, they, they can pull together some resources and also peer to peer buying group members. You know, you feel trusting um, guy in another state that you're not competing directly with. It's a part of your same group. And you say, hey, I need this missing piece. Can you help me out? Do you have any inventory? Some of them have been able to purchase inventory, and they don't necessarily need it all um, at once. They're just predict planning ahead, and they can help each other out. I've heard that happening, too. So it's a lot of, a lot of survivors out there. Well, Alex, I'm going to let you take us out on this one. You know, again, it's, we, we are hearing these reports that, that uh, you know, and, and they're kind of following suit with the reports that we were getting last year. 
You know, everybody kind of hemmed and hawed over, you know, hearing 2023 uh, was going to be the time that we would start cresting the wave. And here we are, you know, almost three quarters of the way through 2022. Uh, but as a manufacturer, you know, what what is your advice? And again, calling from the CDS side, what is that advice um, for those, not necessarily the established dealers, but also the new dealers are going, hey, this is the first time that I've had to deal, deal with these kind of challenges. Yeah. So from my perspective, we're still seeing a lot of dealers buying product just in time. When you purchase through the Josh store, there's an option to say, ship it immediately, I need a rush order. And that happens all the time. And fortunately for dealers, we've had inventory in stock, but what happens if we don't? What happens like many other manufacturers when you can't get the product just in time? And so I do recommend stocking some amount of inventory, at least if you know you have projects coming up, you know you're gonna need the product. I have heard other manufacturers saying the opposite, saying, hey, if you don't need it now, let another dealer get it, you know, wait till you need it. But my attitude is stay on the, the community pages. If you see a dealer saying that they need a certain product that you have, be willing to you know, offer it to them if you have that ability. But otherwise, stocking and holding inventory is your best bet to have product for your client. And so I recommend if you have the cash on hand and you know the projects are coming up, buy early if you want to make sure that you can install it when your client needs it. Fair enough. Well, we're going to go ahead and uh, a lot of great information, but I think we're going to wrap up uh, this episode with it. Alex, I'm going to go ahead and take you out. If they want to find out more about you uh, uh, or if they want to find out more about Josh AI, how can they find you on the varied interwebs? We're on all the socials, josh.ai. I'm always happy to reach out. Or just the website is www.josh.ai easy enough and uh 2022 cdf fellow jeremy uh if they want to find out more about your illustrious career or if they do want to find uh, more about resitech today how can they find you well thanks for that yes i i am honored to be a, a 2020 let's say 2012 uh cdf fellow that that was a great honor in my my career and uh I thought I'd hang it up right after that, but then I kind of had to go back, back to work the next Monday. So, you know, how that goes. If you want to reach out, check us out at restechtoday.com and uh, look for me on the socials. And also uh, check out the podcast. We, we post our podcast on the website so you can subscribe there. And I interview people like Darren Raymond from Cedia and talk about uh, the, the advocacy work that he's doing. So a uh, lot, lot of great one-on-one -on -one conversations there for folks to look back on from from the folks in the uh, ResTech space. So thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. That's fantastic. And actually, I'm going to give a plug for Jeremy's podcast. He has some fantastic interviews. So if you hadn't had a chance to see any of his interviews in his podcast, rush to your browser after you watch this uh, and then see some of his podcasts. Um, well, that's going to do it for us here at ResiWeek. This is Uncle Richie. Um, obviously, I would prefer that you'd follow these fellows or you'd follow all of our other shows. But if you want to find me, you can find uh, me at FragosaDesign.com. I'm also on Twitter at, at @rfragosa. But most importantly, as I always say, the place that I'd love for you to find me would be here at AV Nation and our suite of shows. Obviously, I've got the opportunity to pinch hit here at ResiWeek, but you can also check out my partner Steve Greenblatt and I and our show, A State of Control, where we are about to hit episode 100, a milestone episode for us uh, coming up where we talk about the state of the automation industry itself. But we have all of our other shows that hit all of the other verticals in the industry 
And so we've got AV Week and on and on and on. Uh, but that would be the best place that we hope that you find us. And of course, please take a look at our sponsors and give us a hand there as well. Well, that will do it for Resi Week. This is Uncle Richie, Rich Fergosa, for AVNation.tv. Thank you.